also just accepting where you are in in the journey. So again, you know, keep kind of linked to patience is you just have to accept when when something traumatic happens to you or a crisis, it changes you. Whether you try to say like, oh, I'm all better now, or you know, I got a lot of people going like, so are you all fixed now? They were trying to be funny, right? Like, is your brain all fixed now? And it's like, well, yeah, but it's always going to be different. You're always going to be changed from that experience. And in particular, I remember working with my speech therapist because I didn't actually have speech problems, but speech therapy helps you with cognition. So prioritization and memory and organization, all those executive functions in your brain that can be impacted by a brain injury, depending on where in the brain you have the injury. Mine was in my frontal lobe. So it was a, it was a lot of my executive functions, which, you know, ironically, I need to do my work because I'm a consultant. (laughs) So I remember like fighting this, like, no, I got to get back. I got to back to the way I was. Welcome to Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast, the show about the things we think about, but don't ever talk about. My name's Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living, with a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads. Topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that the show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for a professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, today I have with me Maria Ross. Maria Ross is a brand strategist, author, and speaker. She is a believer of cash flow and she happens to be here with me today. Maria is not just an author and a speaker, she's a child of creativity. She's not your average soft spoken motivational speaker, though. She wants results. She's not afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Every once in a while, though, we need that, you know, the kick in the rear butt because she knows that the fate of your progress towards creating a strategy to get you placing your foot on the pedal and actually accelerating and pressing go is the way to brand you authentically and become you, the best you. Maria is an author of the book titled rebooting your brain or rebooting my brain and if you're wondering why well stick around and listen in on how maria's freak accident led her to having a really hard time and ultimately having to relearn how to learn Uh, so without further ado i'd love to introduce you all to maria ross how you doing today maria I'm good, Logan. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Oh, thank you so much for being on uh, Scratch Your Own Itch. Uh, <laughs> Such a great name. <laughs> uh, I think I think curiosity is the drain to depression, anxiety, ADHD. If we're curious in our minds Absolutely. and our curious people, it's just um, kind of just falls away. You know, you get to be a kid yes. again. Exactly. Uh, yes. 
So, uh, well, I, I, I'm happy to hear you're doing good. I'd love to um, kind of get uh, your story, I guess, and, and do some reverse engineering and, and you know, talk about that uh, experience that we all love talking about, that trauma that really happened in our life that made us um, take that huge pivot, I guess, to mm-hmm. turn it all around and also just go down this road of, hey, this is the message that I want to carry out to people. So um, I know that you suffered from a brain aneurysm in 2008. Would you mind sharing mm-hmm. that story with us? No, absolutely. I, As you mentioned, I wrote a book called Rebooting My Brain about it. So um, yeah, I'm happy to share that experience. Um, yeah, as you said, I, I'm a brand strategist and an author and a speaker, and I've been a marketing executive most of my life, but I went off on my own to create my own consultancy in 2008. And at that time, I not only started a new business, but we had just moved to a new city. We had just bought our first house. When I say we, I mean me and my husband. We had just adopted our first dog. Like there was a lot going on. And I was totally, I'm type A, I'm, you know, go, 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 whatever. And even I just kind of took on more than, than I could handle. And not that that was an impetus to what happened to me, but um, that was kind of the framework of what was going on in my life. It was just crazy activity, chaos, stress, change, all this kind of stuff, all the things you know we know we're supposed to avoid when we're trying to live a healthy, balanced life. Um, and I was also, I think we may have talked about this, I'm also sort of an actress in my spare time. So I do community theater and indie film. And I was trying to get into the theater scene in our new home city. Uh, at that time, we were living in Seattle. We had just moved to Seattle. And um, and so at a theater audition, I got off the stage and I felt good because I, you know, my nerves were sort of coming down. And I was suddenly struck with the worst headache I had ever experienced in my entire life. Like literally like someone had stabbed me in the top of the head. And I got dizzy, I got nauseous, my back seized up, my neck muscles cramped, like I had no idea what had happened to me. And I thought, wow, maybe I was just really, really nervous. And this was just like a panic attack or something. And so long story short, um, after about a month and a half of of severe migraine symptoms, because I went to the doctor and the doctor said, I think you're just under a lot of stress, like your blood pressure is really, really high, but just, you know, just take care of yourself and do yoga and get acupuncture and just, you know, that's what it is. And then a month and a half later, I collapsed unconscious on my bathroom floor and had to go to the hot. My husband luckily was home at the time in the middle of the day, which he normally is not. And he got me rushed to the hospital. And what they discovered was that I had had a brain aneurysm that ruptured and it caused hemorrhaging in my head. So um, they basically had to work quickly to save my life. Um, and so from that experience, I I actually don't remember the entire month of August 2008 because of that. I had short-term memory problems because of the brain damage. So, um, But I was in the hospital about six weeks, kind of just give you the, the overview version. <laughs> um, I was blind because the hemorrhage had caused such a severe bleed that it impacted my retinas. So um, I was in the hospital. I was blind. I had no short-term memory. Like I had no idea what had happened to me. And I really underestimated what had happened to me when I was in the hospital. I kind of just thought, oh, you know, this is like the flu. I'll just get over it and keep going. And um, which is a common, a common um, symptom of brain injury patients is they're not very good at self-assessment <laughs> about <laughs> where they are, how they're doing. 
survived, obviously, you know, (laughs) spoiler alert, I'm here, but um, I survived and, and got out of the hospital, had some eye surgeries to improve my vision, and then began the process of getting back into my life again, which anybody listening knows that if you're, if you're struck down by crisis, whether it's, whether it's like me, you know, sort of a, a, an a unexpected freak brain injury, or whether it's divorce or mental illness or other health problems, you kind of get knocked out of your life. And, and the work starts when you leave the hospital, right? It's not over when you're, when you're finally sent home. So, um, I just had to begin the process of recovery and it took, it took about, I actually was very fortunate, um, mostly cause I'm really stubborn and I, it, it took me about two years or so to sort of really get my groove back. I got my business back up and running. Um, I wrote a book. Um, then I wrote another book about my brain injury experience when I was ready to talk about it. And I just learned a lot of valuable lessons during that whole time that I share with people, as you said, you know, when I'm, on stage and doing motivational speeches or keynotes that there's, there's really like three fundamental lessons that I learned from all that. One was to practice patience and I've always been an impatient person. So being able to just know that I had to be patient with myself and patient with my recovery and patient, honestly, with the people around me who were trying to figure out how to deal with me and how to help me and how to, you know, I really had to, I I got a, a, smack in the face about learning that patience really is a virtue <laughs> and, and that you have to be patient with your progress as well. So you can't expect to just go from zero to 60 when you leave the hospital or when you get home or when you get out of rehab or whatever your issue is that you have. Um, you have to just realize it's, it's small steps to progress. And as long as you celebrate those small victories and that forward movement every day, um, you're, you're moving in the right direction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you actually left off with that, the small steps. Um, first of all, oh, 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 yeah, sorry. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, no, 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 I just, I, I want to acknowledge your story and I really think that it's, um, it's really hard um, to go back and relive that experience every time you share that story. So I, appreciate it like i know and even the insider of it when when you go through a traumatic event like that especially when you're a person that's an actress that cares about the way they look cares about the way they feel and that's kind of the way they judge um the the righteousness in their life kind of uh i mean to just like look at yourself in the mirror and go i'm not the same person because of this and and I just I give you so much credit for moving forward and turning something really good instead of bad. Yes, yes, oh. turning lemons into lemon, lemons into lemonade. Is that what they say? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Someone recently told me turn lemons into lemon shots. And I was like, oh, that's kind of good too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a humbling experience no matter what. I mean, the other two lessons I learned were about acceptance and also about finding the humor in even the darkest situations. Like that's going to help you decompress. It's going to help alleviate, you know, your anxiety. You know, we, we, we did a lot with humor to try to get through what we were dealing with. And, um, and also just accepting where you are in, in the journey. So again, you know, keep kind of linked to patience is you just have to accept when, when something traumatic happens to you or a crisis, 
it changes you. Whether you try to say like, oh, I'm all better now, or you know, I got a lot of people going like, so are you all fixed now? They were trying to be funny, Whoa. right? Like, is your brain all fixed now? And it's like, well, yeah, but it's always going to be different. You're always going to be changed mm. from that experience. And in particular, I remember working with my speech therapist because I didn't actually have speech problems, but speech therapy helps you with cognition. So prioritization and memory and organization, all those executive functions in your brain that can be impacted by a brain injury, depending on where in the brain you have the injury. Mine was in my frontal lobe. So it was a, it was a lot of my executive functions, which, you know, ironically, I need to do my work because I'm a consultant. <laughs> so I remember like fighting this, like, no, I got to get back. I got to back to the way I was. I got, I got to get back to the way I was. Like, I used to be able to do things this way. I used to be able to do things that way. And finally this therapist, like, very lovingly was like, stop, like, you're not going to be that person anymore. Like, you just have to accept the new version of you and work with what you've got. And it was like a light bulb went off because I was like, oh, I'm sitting here like slamming my head against a brick wall when I can just turn around and walk, the, walk around the wall. Like there's other ways to get to your goals other than what you think you used to be able to do or what um, you know, how you think things used to be before your crisis or before your injury or before, before, you know? And so any, any crisis, I always encourage people to embrace the new you, um, and, and define yourself by the strengths of the new version of you and not by the deficits because you're comparing yourself to the old version of you. Um, and the sooner you accept that, the faster you're healing. Like once, I mean, literally that day that she kind of smacked me with reality was the minute my recovery started to really take off because I wasn't, I wasn't being so stubborn about it. And I wasn't being so like, like I said, hitting my head against the wall. It was like, oh, that way is not going to work for me anymore. Let me try it this way. And then find a new way to get to your goals or a new way to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And I carried that over into the way that I work and into my relationships. And I'm not always perfect at it every day. You know, like life gets in the way and you forget <laughs> the lessons sometimes, the further away from crisis that you get. But um, it's good to have that touchstone. And even Logan, like talking to you today, whenever I do talk about my story, that's my touchstone to remind myself, like, don't get caught up in forgetting about what happened to you. What happened to you defined you. And it's important to always remember those lessons and, and carry those lessons with you because it's so easy to forget, right? When life gets easy, um, again, you, you sort of like brush it off or you forget or you have very short-term memory about it. But um, it's important to revisit that and, and revisit your story and share your story with people because other people might be just beginning their story and their journey into that process and need you to share your story with them so they have hope. Hey guys, I really hope you're enjoying the conversation that I'm having so far with my guest today. I'd really like to offer you guys an opportunity. Well, more so actually an act of kindness. I would love if you guys took some time just to scroll down in the review section and write a review on what you think about the podcast and if it's affecting your life at all. If it is, that'd be awesome to just leave a review and I would love to take my favorite review and send you a gift. Send you a gift out of kindness. Something that's going to scratch your own itch, of course. And if it does, well... 
maybe you can also support the show by sharing it with someone as well. So with that being said, you guys are enough and you matter. Back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I This show is all about making people feel less alone. And every time someone, it's so odd and amazing how it works, but every time you share your story, and I'm talking about not the story that you really want to tell everyone, but the story that you need to tell everyone. Because uh, unfortunately, it's those sort of really low points in your life where people can actually relate with. Like for me, my suicide attempt and my depression and how I constantly just want to beat myself up. Um, But it's those things that are making me who I am. And I just have to sometimes have like intermittent contentment in my life and just go, hey, like this is where you are. This is how you move on. What are you learning from? Is a failure. You're probably going to spend money on things that you don't need. You're probably going to, you know, have people in your life that are are actually cruel to you. Uh, but what can you learn from that? Like, don't do it again. You know, what are those uh, right. little signs? Um, cool. But I be better the next time around. I mean, how can you? But that's what I mean. Like everyone thinks there's a lot of people. I wouldn't shouldn't say everyone, but there's a lot of people out there who think that once they overcome something, then they shouldn't talk about it again. And it's like, no, like, and that was the thing, like for two years after my recovery, I mean, literally like a month after I got out of the hospital, people were like, you should write a book about this. And I was like, oh my God, I just want to like walk my dog around the block. Like I just want to get back to normal. (laughs) So I wasn't ready then. Right. But I wrote the book two years after I was in two years into recovery. And I was ready to share the story because I realized how important it was to share the lessons that I learned. And, and you, there's a lot of inspirational stories out there. There's a lot of motivational stories. And I think that was part of why I was resistant to writing a book. Cause I thought, well, there's like, you know, you go on Amazon, there's like 900 million books about people who survived a brain aneurysm. And I thought, well, what can I add to this? Like, I'm not famous. I'm not, you know, no one's going to care, but something uh. in your story will resonate with somebody. I've gotten so many emails from people. I mean, you know, my, my book is relatively not well known. You know, it did, it did very, very well on Amazon and I got a lot of great reviews, but I hear from people all the time that are like, I picked up your book. I found your book when I was in the emergency room waiting for my brother, husband, wife, sister to come out of surgery because she'd had a brain aneurysm and I found your book and I read it and it helped me. And, and just knowing that you persevered and that you went on with your life and the lessons that you learned, like that gives us hope. Like I've had people call me to say, can you talk to my brother who just had a brain aneurysm and is in a depression? Cause depression is actually a, a very big unknown side effect of brain injury. Um, partially because of the actual brain chemistry involved, but also because of people not being able to do what they used to do anymore and they can fall into a depression very easily. So you get a lot of people that are very despairing after a brain injury. And I would get, I would get emails saying, will you please call me? Like I'm in Boston, I'm in wherever. And I'd be very clear, like, I'm not a doctor, but if I can help, I'll, I'll do what I can. And it's just very like, wow, you think your story doesn't matter, but it does because somebody is walking that road behind you and you are just that much further ahead that you can help them. Even if you're only, I've, even if you're only two steps further ahead than them or four steps further ahead, 
you're farther ahead than they are. And so you can reach back and you can help them. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. And I kind of want to go into that. Like when you were going through that time of relearning and kind of rebooting your brain, that's a rip your, rip your uh, title out, but it's true. You had it. You had to probably relearn how to do a lot of things like for acting, for example, like you have to memorize these lines. And I know I memorize lines by walking around multitasking and uh, doing all these crazy things. But how, how did you overcome that? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of what I mean, I again, I was very fortunate in that I didn't have a, I didn't have a lot of like permanent physical ailments. I, I mean, I had to get my strength back again. I had to get um, like spatial awareness back again. Like there was, I definitely had deficits and impairments, but I was able to overcome those. But um, I think a lot of, a lot of what I had to relearn was, like I mentioned, my frontal lobe was impacted. So I cannot multitask the way that I used to. My brain literally cannot process that much information at one time. So I used to be like a master multitasker. And um, I always tell people this, it kind of gives them a chuckle, but my husband goes, well, now you're just like everybody else. <laughs> He's like, this is what it's like for us all the time. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, just simple things like that, where it's like, you know, it's not the end of the world in, in someone's eyes, but when it's different for you, it's important. Like if it's something that you used to be able to do and now you can't, it doesn't matter if somebody goes, oh, it's okay that you forget stuff all the time. I forget stuff all the time. I have to write everything down too. No, you know what? It's not the same because the day before this happened, I was fine at remembering things. <laughs> now, so, you know, it's like people try to be well-meaning and try to say like, oh, I totally understand. They want to be empathetic, but um, it's it's different. And so you have to relearn, you have to redefine yourself. And so, you know, things like I said, like multitasking, I I have to be... I have to focus on one thing at a time, which is not a bad way to live, by the way. But um, I, I cannot multitask anymore. I um, I can't, you know, I can't remember names as well anymore. And I used to be really, really good at remembering names. Um, and I, you know, I can't do my work in the same way. I'm not as I'm not as organized as I used to be. So I have to rely on a lot more systems and external cues to help me keep my time and my work organized. Um, but to your point about memorization, like that was huge. I actually did. I was so proud of myself because I did an indie film two years after my brain injury. And it was actually, I think it was the first audition I'd gone on since my brain injury. And I got the part and I was so excited, but I was so glad it was a film because, um, you know, you're only, you're only filming scenes in chunks. So you only have to memorize that scene for that day. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I don't think I'm ready for a play. Like, I don't know if I can <laughs> take on a play, but, but for me, my mechanism for memorization is repetition. And so, you know, I'm sure I would have gotten things eventually, but it was a challenge and memorization used to be such a killer skill of mine. Like I used to be able to memorize something like reading it three times and I could memorize it. And so as an actress, that was really hard. And, um, but you know, I just, I got through it. I figured out how to make it happen. Yes. Did I like flub a few scenes because I forgot the line, you know, but like they knew what had happened to me and they were very forgiving. Like I said, it was a student film. So, um, but, uh, yeah, it, that's been very challenging and I haven't, I've done a play since then, but it was a one act play. So I think my next challenge to myself will be to try to do a full length play and see how, 
see how that goes with all that, that, all those lines. <laughs> I got, again, I got your like, back. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know what, what's the alternative? Like I'm here, I'm living, like I have a good life. Like I can't, I can't sit and whine about the fact that I, Oh, I'm not so good at memorizing things anymore. Like I just got to find a new way to, to deal with it. Right. So I, I, and, and I know that's very easy and I'm not, I don't mean to be glib when I say that, but I think a lot of times, and I wrote about this in the book, and I'd love to hear what you think about it, is a lot of people ask why me when something bad happens to them, right? Like, why me? Why did this happen to me? And I was completely the opposite. I was actually like, why didn't something worse happen to me? Like, why did something really bad happen to this person next to me in rehab who has like two kids counting on her? And at the time, I didn't have kids. Um, and yet I'm fine. Like. I would almost ask, why not me? Like, what makes me so special that I can avoid tragedy and crisis and, and falling down? And so I just find it to be really futile to sit and think, why me? Like, have I had those moments? Yes. But to get lost in them is just, it's just not productive. Like, it just, it doesn't help you at all to, to think that way. Um, and so, you know, I think that sometimes we can get very caught up and sometimes you, you need to leave yourself room to go like, okay, for half an hour, I'm going to have a pity party for myself and just, be, you know, yes, things suck. But then think of the alternative. Like that was the thing through my, my public speaking and through my book that opened my eyes is that like, gosh, there are a lot of people out there that are so much worse off than me and they're making it work every day. Like I owe it to them to, to take what the gifts that I have and do something with that. Like I need to be, I need to be their voice. I need to be their, they need to be my inspiration to like continue putting the right message out there and living a good life and appreciating my health and appreciating what I have. So not to get all Pollyanna on you, but um, I just, I just find that, that why me mentality. It's like, why not you? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what you think about that, but, but that was a point that really resonated with people in my book was, wow, I kind of felt the same way, but I never really knew how to articulate that. And, um, I just, I don't know. I just think it, it doesn't help you to, to fall into that. Why me thinking, because why not you? Right. Yeah. And, and it happens in moments, of course, like you want to ask why me? Um, and you know, yeah, I'm just speaking as, as a person who's experienced themselves. You know, I don't know. I'm not the overall like do this and this is going to solve all your problems. But I do think that if the, you have those moments of, you know, why me? And you kind of reflect on those. And I think express those why me's by either jumping on a podcast or writing it down. Or and it's really hard for us to create that self-reflection muscle. I think it is a, a muscle that you need to practice. Um, and it's painful and it doesn't really always work out and make sense to others. But it's so much cleaner when it's on paper than when it's in your head. So I think that that the, why not me is like such a greater perspective to finally go like, okay, after I went through the why me, this is the next phase. Yes. Why not me? <laughs> You know? Exactly. And, and, and maybe it happened to you because, and you know, I mean, let's not get, we're not going to get existential or religious or anything, but you know, there's, there's a myriad no. of reasons. Obviously there's no rhyme or reason to tragedy or crisis as much as we try to think there is. But, um, 
you know, sometimes I, I wonder like maybe, you know, and maybe this is, I don't mean this to sound like bigger than it is, but, you know, maybe I had a good recovery because I was meant to talk about this. Like maybe that was why not, you know, why this nothing worse happened or why my recovery was went as well and and, and miraculously as it did. Like maybe that's what I was meant to do, but you have to explore that for yourself. Right. And what you said was spot on. And even people who don't think they're writers should journal. Like, even if you do, my friend calls it an angry journal. Like, even if you're pissed off and you're mad at the world and you're in your why me, you know, down spiral, like just start writing, right? And don't censor yourself and just write it all down and just like drain it out of your system and just get it all down on paper. And maybe you never even look at that piece of paper again. Maybe you burn it. Maybe you like rip it up or whatever, but just getting it out of you and out of your psyche and your mind can be so like liberating. And I don't mean that to sound woo woo, but do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't think it is woo woo. I really do think it is such a great exercise for people to do. And, um, and you, and like you were talking about earlier, start small. Like if I, I, I know that I can write for five minutes and if I have complete writer's block, please go to my website and, and steal a blog for me and, and write upon that idea. I don't care. Like if that's going to get you to write more then like do it. Um, but I definitely want to, I kind of want to pivot a little bit and just cause I'm like super curious on how you brand people because I know you're a brand strategist, right? Um, and let's say someone really wants to be like an influencer they want to start going out there but the you ask them questions like okay so who do you want to help and they just go i just want to help people and they're probably not specific enough right so how do you like what's your process in finding someone's like quote-unquote brand well it's so interesting because i do i mean i do work with businesses and business brands but because i also do work with solopreneurs um you know one person businesses like consultants or coaches or writers or speakers i mean their their business brand is themselves that it is themselves i don't know if i'm saying that correctly but they are their brand right <laughs> so there's not really a there's 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 not a there's not a true distinction between them and their business brand because they're an author or a speaker or what have you. And whether it's a business with an organization of like 10,000 people, or whether it's a business of one, no matter what, the brand has to be authentic. So it can't be about what do I want to pretend to be today? It has to be about working on what are my strengths? What are my values? What am I, what are, what is my, what are my main messages? And just like planting a seed is what makes the tree grow. That's what you don't start with the leaves and work backwards. You start with the roots and the roots of it are your strengths, your values, your purpose, your message. And, and within that, it's who are you trying to reach or impact? Or if your business sell to, you know, who's your target audience, right? When I say target audience and, and, people are speakers or authors, they sort of go, oh, no, but I mean, but there's somebody you're trying to influence. So if you're trying to influence somebody, that's your target audience. And your target audience is not everyone. Everyone is not a market. And and I always say, think about your own buying habits, right? We all buy clothes. I mean, unless we live on a nudist colony, right? We all buy clothes. But how is it that we all buy them from different stores? 
So not every store is selling to everyone. Stores are selling to different types of people that value different things, right? Like Saks Fifth Avenue is selling to different people with different buying drivers and different values than Walmart. And neither one is good or bad. They're just different. And so you have to know your audience. You can't be Walmart and Saks Fifth Avenue at the same time. Like otherwise then people are confused by you. And so whenever a business owner or even a company, quite frankly, says, well, everyone who needs what we have to offer is our market. It's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, it's not. Because Porsche and Honda both sell cars, but they don't sell them to the same people. And the people that buy from them are not looking for the same things. So you want to think about if you have a message or you have, um, you have something you're trying to go out there in the world to do or to influence or to raise money for, or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's who am I trying to reach? What are they, what are they like? Like what, what are, what are they intimately like? What are their, what are their hopes, their dreams, their worries, their values, their, what keeps them up at night? Um, what's their sense of humor? Where do they get their information? Like really building those ideal profiles of the people that you're trying to reach. And then building your brand based on your authentic values, your authentic mission, your authentic personality. And then that's what you present to the world. So it's, it's not about like, oh, I want to, um, be like, you know, this famous internet person over here. So I'm going to do everything that they do. Well, no, you have to do your own thing and be your own unique voice. Um, and so that's really where I start with my clients is we do a lot of conversation, not about the market, but about them and who they are and what they believe and how they work. Okay. So this authentic word has been thrown around like left and right with with if you if you're at all interested in self help books, you're probably someone that's listening and going, oh, authentic. Like I, I've heard that word a couple hundred million thousand before. So, what is your definition of authenticity then, and how to I'm find? I'm so glad that? you asked that because I really hate that, and it's it's so simple. It's not authentic. It just means you walk your talk. So if you don't like dogs, you're not going to tell the world you like dogs. If you are not the cheapest product on the market, you're not going to tell the world you're the cheapest product on the market. If you are not the best quality whatever out there, you're not going to tell people you're the best quality. So the, the best way I can explain that to you, so really authenticity is just who, who are you really? What can you really offer to someone? So if you're going to go around and say, my brand is that I'm, I have strong attention to detail and you do not have strong attention to detail, that's inauthentic. So that's all that means is that when you say you are something, then you really are that thing. And you can be authentic if you are, if you are out there and you say, I'm edgy and provocative. If you really are edgy and provocative, not that you're going to go out there and say you're edgy and provocative because you think that's going to sell more stuff. Do you see the difference? If you are, if you are soft-spoken and gentle and reassuring, then that's what your brand should be. The world shouldn't be loud and shocking and, and whatever it's, it's what you authentically bring to the table. And that's all authenticity means. It's not 
it's not, you know, some people interpret it as authentic means you're you're a good global citizen or you're, you know, a green company or you're like woo-woo or whatever. No, authentic is just you are what you say you are. And there's no mismatch. And that's all it is. And people get all wrapped up in that term about authenticity. And it's like, no, that's all that authentic brand means is that you walk your talk. Oh, thank you for and correct me if I'm wrong, but I I I, I think that a lot of people get uh wrapped up with it because they they see what their heroes are doing and then they go and they try to be that hero, um, whether it's it's for good or bad or whatever. But I think it starts with just like wounds, things that you don't have to try hard at doing. But like you're actually like for for a lot of people, I think that, um, and you know, what? I'm going to speak from firsthand because I don't know what other people have. But but for me, like like just coming out and being honest with people and telling people like, I suck at being happy with myself all the time. Like I suck at that. Like I'm not good at it. I, I'm I'm also not really good at, at uh not worrying about what people think of me all the time. Like I, I'm just someone that always thinks about what someone's thinking about. And if they have a frown on their fa- face, I automatically think that it's because of me. Like I think that that they're having a bad day because of me, not because of like, you know, someone just told them that uh their dog is maybe going to be put down. You know, I don't know, right? But I actually think it's all my fault. And so because of that, like, I just I just think I have to take those wounds and now just tell people more about them just so they, you know, feel like they're allowed to be vulnerable too. Um, so why I'm bringing this up is because I think that that can be someone's brand actually. And, yes. and being okay I was going to say that, your brand is vulnerability. You know, and someone that tries to copy that who doesn't really want to be vulnerable is not delivering an authentic brand. Like you are vulnerable. You that so that is part of your brand. Is it it's vulnerable, it's relatable, it's but someone else might not be able to pull that off the way you're pulling it off because it is you. And that's where like you were saying people try to mimic their heroes. Because they think that's the way to success, but you have to be who you are. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that creates such value in someone's life to realize that if it's exhausting, like trying to be like someone else, it's usually a good indicator that's just not you. Like, I think I actually, not that I'm saying I quit acting, but I put it to a pause because it was just so exhausting trying to pretend that I loved all the auditioning. I loved all the waiting around. I, 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 I have a monkey brain and I always constantly need to be working on something. So like while I was waiting to go back on stage, like waiting for my cue, I was writing blogs. Like I was, I was writing about my thoughts. Like I was, I was trying to create a new video for YouTube or something like that. Like and I just needed, I just realized that that wasn't for me, but like multitasking is the way I operate. So kind of the opposite of what you do right now, yeah, but yeah, just yeah, I know. Like, which is owning like, that. Just cool. Right. Like that's the thing. It's like, I think where people get caught up in this is because they don't know who they are authentically. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't sat down to do those things that I was talking about earlier that I do with my clients, which is why a lot of times with my solopreneurs, it's part brand strategy work, but it's part therapy because it's like, well, what drives you? What makes you happy? What, what are you passionate about? What, how would you, how would people describe you? Like, 
you know, all of those questions, it's like taking that time and not like endlessly navel gazing because, you know, we have to look out into the world and connect with people and realize there's more people out there than just us, but at least take some time to say, well, what, you know, what, what am I like? What's my personality like? What do I enjoy? You know, if, if you can't answer those questions, think about the things you surround yourself with. Um, think about, you know, what movies do I like? What books do I like to read? Do I like to read books or do I prefer video or, you know, um, and just being able to be comfortable in both the strengths and the flaws, which is, you know, I think where you are, it sounds like you've gotten comfortable with that to the point that you're like, that's what I want to put out into the world. And that's authenticity. But it's the like, I'm going to try to be like Logan, and I'm going to try to act like I'm vulnerable, but I'm not. That's where people make mistakes. And people can see through that, right? That's no one's going to connect with that kind of false brand. I call it putting a coat of brand paint on yourself or on your business. It's it doesn't last. It might attract people initially, but it doesn't last. Oh, I love that you say that. That's um, that puts a smile on my face because it's so true. Like, it's just when you do act like someone else that you're not, people can see right through it and they can smell it from miles and miles away. And, um, you're just not kidding anybody. And, uh, but I'd like to kind of, um, turn the tables on you. What's the last thing that you found out uh, that you tried because it was just an itch that you had and you started to scratch it because it was curious about you or it was a curious trait of yours. And then all of a sudden you tried it and it just wasn't working for you. Oh my God. That is such a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm always kind of experimenting and learning. So that's why that's kind of hard. Like even with my business, I experiment with different products to offer. I experiment with different coaching models. Um, I, so I don't know, like there's so many things. And to me, like it, nothing's ever a failure. So I don't really know, you know, I'm just like, Oh, I learned about that. And I, Oh, I, I learned that that's not for me <laughs> or <laughs> I learned that I'm not good at that. Like, that's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so that, but that's a really good one. I'd have to think a little bit more, but, but I'm always kind of experimenting, I think, because to me, it, it's not like I'm this like crazy risk taker. Like I'm not some extreme sports junkie or anything, but I am never afraid of no. Cause it's like, what's the worst that can happen? Like the person says no. And then I go on with my life. Like, you know, so whether it's, you know, I'm right now I'm working on another book and it's, it's pretty intense. I'm, I'm pretty overwhelmed by it. It's a lot of research and I'm trying to find my way forward on figuring out the best way to, uh, to, to manage the process this time around. And, um, and, you know, when I think about, you know, do I want to self-publish it or do I want to get an agent? Like if someone gives me an agent name, I'm going to pitch them. Like, I don't care if they say no, it's not personal. Like they just don't think my book's a good fit for them. That's fine. Like, so I guess, I guess for me, just that, that whatever itch that you scratch, just scratch it. And if it, if it doesn't work out, then wow, you learned something. You learn that that's not for you or, or you learn that, that, you know, maybe you don't give up just after that one attempt, but, but maybe you learn like, you know, with, with a play, you know, let's say you, you go into acting and you try it for a play and you don't get a part and you go, oh, okay, I, I, acting's not for me. Well, no, maybe you just weren't right for that play. Like if you really, really want to do it, try a few more and see if it works. And then if it doesn't, well, now, you know, like, now you know, acting's not for you, or you can say, well, 
this is good information. Maybe I need to take some acting lessons. And then you go take some acting lessons and then you try it again. So, <laughs> um, so for me, it's just, I'm just in a constant experimentation mode on stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't let the pressure of other, and I don't know if this comes from like age or not, but I don't, I don't let the pressure of other people get to me. So if like everyone thinks that, I should be doing something and I don't truly believe I should be doing something. I, I can pretty much hold my own against them and go, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's it, just one word that's popping out at me is, is resilience. You, you've created a, a resilience muscle for yourself and uh, you, you c- try to c- contract it as much as possible. And I, um, I think that's the hardest part about life, honestly, is not being so addicted to our routines, but just taking one small step towards doing something that's different than your normal routine. Because I, just from personal experience, like I love my routines and, and, and when I get too far into them, like meaning some of my routines are not talking to people, getting sucked in my art, uh, getting in sucked into my work and getting in su- sucked into my workout and then go, okay, dude, you keep going down this road, like learn from this. This is what got you into depression. This is what got you into suicidal thoughts or your anxiety, ADHD, like um, take note of that. And if anyone else is listening, and I'm sure you can speak on this too, is like, if those are little triggers for you, like maybe write them down like, or, 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 or make a friend and have a support group that uh, you can connect with myself or Marie, I'm sure would love to talk to you for five minutes about, you know, these Absolutely. things that you're doing. Yeah. And what you said is so important because when I was in um, rehab therapies, one of the, the, the words that kept coming up over and over again were strategies. Like you need to develop strategies to overcome your deficits. So whether it was like as simple as, you know, if your if your memory's been impacted, your strategy should be that you always have a pad of paper and a pen available to you. And it's like, oh, okay, now I know I why would I stress myself out by going somewhere without my pad of paper and my pen if I know that's a trigger for me and I'm gonna get upset because I can't remember something. Well, now I have a strategy, right? And then you also have strategies um, with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is more the psychological. So if you know something triggers you and it makes you angry and it makes you irrationally angry, let's say, like look for those markers and and create strategies for yourself ahead of time so that when the trigger hits, you have like a pullback mechanism. And that pullback mechanism could be internal or it could be, you know, you have a really good friend that, that, that pulls, you know, you say, hey, this is what I'd like you to do for me. When you see me getting too into my routine, I want you to call me up and drag me out of the house, <laughs> take me out to a movie or something, you know, like whatever it is, like use whatever it takes as a strategy to, but, but like you said, you have to recognize those triggers first. So take notice of when you do get angry, when you do get depressed, when you do feel lonely, like what is, what are the things that, that happened right before that? And write those down. And then after that happens a few times, you'll start to see a pattern of like, oh, I see what that trigger was. Now I can work on strategies to avoid that trigger or strategies to help me deal with that trigger if it if I can't avoid it effectively. Oh, so such gold. Such gold. Oh god. <laughs> Thank this, you. Yeah. Um, 
No, seriously. No, I'm no so joke. not a guru, but it's just, I mean, it's just like, like, this is what I mean by sharing stories. Like any one of your listeners, I bet has gold. Like they have a story because like I said, they're probably two steps ahead of somebody else who's experiencing the exact same thing. And so, you know, it's, it's share those stories, like write them down, blog, write a video, create a podcast. Like I know there's a lot of media out there and it can feel like it's really noisy, but if you have something of value and it helps even a few people navigate things more effectively, then it's worth it. Yeah, I agree so much. I mean, sometimes you don't need another credential or like a PhD or a license or another certificate to really just speak your perspective because um, when you do that, I think it really allows, like you were saying earlier, to really walk your talk and really, I mean, even flip it on the other side, but, um, you know, you talk about this stuff and you put it out in the ethos, like, or whatever people verbiage want to utilize, uh, you're putting it out there. And now it's, it's, it's a real thing. Like, like humans learn through conversation and they learn through teaching others. And if you're really having a, 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 a huge problem with getting clear on your vision, which is the next topic that I really want to talk to you about is, um, is the sort of the clarity that you can get is just by, by making stuff like content is, is King, like just creating stuff. So like, I'd like to ask you though, what do you think? Why do you think a lot of people like they have that clear vision of, of they want to be a motivational speaker, they want to be a personal trainer, they want to be a, um, like yourself, maybe a, a, a person that coaches businesses in order to find the brand that they're selling to. But then if, within that sort of trying to get to that clear vision, they lose their vision and they lo- they, they sort of start stepping on their own toes and they can't get there. Yeah, I don't know. There's like a lot of reasons I've seen of people that are really talented and good at what they do and they can't make it happen. And then I see quite honestly, people that are really bad at what they do. <laughs> and they're, you know, making people are paying them money. And it kind of like, you know, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach. But um, it, it's hard to know what's that like magic thing. I think that um, I think that one way that people sabotage themselves, and I mean this with I say this with love, because I've been guilty of it too, that if something is not easy, they just abandon it. So like, you know, I've talked to like, 20 year old people who are like, I want to be a consultant. How do I, how do I become a consultant next year? And I'm like, you have to go work for companies and learn. Like, (laughs) like you have to put, it's, it's, there's not like a magic formula of like, you just put up a website and boom, you're going to be like this successful consultant or whatever. Like, and not to say that that doesn't happen sometimes, but, um, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to be willing to put in the work if, if that's really what you're meant to do. And, and just because there's not a quick, easy, you know, those are the people who fall prey to the, like the, Oh, the $5,000 program to earn a a six figure income. Like they're spending money on these things, thinking that they're going to get a shortcut to it. And it's not that you have to like slog away for years, but you do have to put some effort and work into it. Like, you know, I've gotten people sometimes that are like, I want to, I want to get published. How do I do it? 
And it's like, well, I'm not going to give you like some three steps of advice that all of a sudden you're going to have a, a book deal next week. Like that's not how it works. Right? So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just, it's trial and error. It's putting the work in. And I think that, I think that very well-intentioned people sometimes get in their own way by just, tr they, they waste more time trying to find the shortcut than they would if they just did the work. So that's, that's, that's some, that's one thing that I see getting in people's way in ways a lot of time. Um, and then the other is like, we, you know, we, we talked about is that they try to be something that they're not, and that's always going to take you longer to get any traction from that. Um, even if you have a clear vision, um, if you're not, if you're not able to really align your work with your values and who you really are, nothing, it's really never going to click for you. So, um, those are just some of the ways that I see people sabotaging themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that is exactly what a lot of 20 year olds go through. Um, because 20 year olds, I know for myself, I go, I have it all figured out. And then I oh, just right, don't. Right. Like, and no, you know, no disparagement of 20 year olds, but it's just like, but you know, it's like, you just, you're, you, you haven't ever worked for a company. Like, how are you going to go advise companies when, you know, so just stuff like that, like just trying to find the shortcut to, to, to what they want. It was so funny. I was talking to someone the other day and, um, she's a consultant. You'll appreciate this. She, she's done a, like nine years work of improv and she works with companies to do improv training to help improve communication and collaboration with their teams, which I think is so rad. Like just. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I think it's so fun. But she actually said, she goes, I've been doing my own thing for like a year now. And she goes, and I realized I actually don't have enough business experience. I think I need to go back to work for a company full time and just get some baseline business experience and kind of get, get a little wet behind the ears before, you know, or get, you know, whatever the expression is, <laughs> that's not the right expression, but <laughs> get, get um, you know, get grounded in, in getting a little bit more just practical experience. She's like, and then I think I'm going to crush it. And I was like, wow, that's so refreshing to hear somebody say, wow, I think I need to take a step back before I can take five steps forward, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I think that that's, I think that's part of it. We live in a very instant gratification culture, unfortunately, and people just want the easy way. Like, I just want to become a YouTube star and make a million dollars. Really doing what? I don't know. Just anything. I want to be a YouTube star and I want to make a million dollars. Well, you need to go back and clarify your message a little bit more. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. And that's why I think authenticity is so great because it's if you're really doing something that you feel passionate about, that you feel strongly about, a message that really resonates with you for real, not you know that you would, you would talk about it whether you made money doing it or not. Then you're onto something. Then you're onto something that's more sustainable and more long lasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I just want to give you a, a virtual high five right now because that is so true. Um, and like I gosh, said, I've been guilty of it too. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not like pointing my finger. I'm like, you know, totally me guilty as well <laughs> sometimes. So. I, I'm so glad that you say that because, like, that's. A, I mean. It, we can sit here and talk about it in conversation and it's so much easier sometimes 
done than actually, or it's so much easier said than done. And uh, you just kind of recognize your stumbles. And I, I got to recognize my own stumbles and you have to recognize um, the people around you that you're surrounding yourself with um, because those people are going to also like support your vision or they're going to hurt your vision. And so um, for, for I think anyone that's listening right now that, um, you know, is feeling down and really like they're just nowhere to go, like just reach out to someone that you do look up to. And I think by reaching out, like in creating that relationship with them could maybe put you one step closer towards uh, finding what you, you are authentically created to do. And um, not saying like you said earlier, like you don't want to be that person, but you definitely want to like follow the, the footsteps that they, you know, they left Wait, off and, and follow their trail. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Wrote a, I wrote a blog post several months ago about how to like learn from your competitors, so to speak, or learn from Ooh. people. Like you don't have to copy them, but like look at what they're doing and go, Hmm, that's interesting. That might be something I could try. Like, or, you know, oh, it seems like that course they offered really resonated with people. Maybe I could do something within my expertise that that is structured similarly. Or, you know, oh, oh, I, I, I see that this person video is really working for this person. And I like to be on video, too. Maybe I'll try. So you can always learn from those people. But it's where you get into trouble is trying to mimic them because you never will yeah. mimic them. Um, and I just wanted to say one thing, like, as we kind of wrap up, you know, we talk a lot, you talk a lot about, you know, embracing your, your flaws and overcoming your challenges. And, um, and it's trite that we say like, we're shaped by our, our challenges, right? Like if you, if anyone ever meets a person that gets through this life perfectly unscathed, (laughs) having made no mistakes, I don't know. I, that person does not exist, right? There's no person like that. And I'll just give you like a little anecdote. I have, I have a three-year-old and there's so much I'm not looking forward to about him as he get as he gets older, right? I'm not looking forward to him being pressured by his peers. I'm not looking forward to him, you know, who knows? He might get bullied, he might get teased, he might he'll get his heart broken, he'll, you know, he'll try something and he'll fail. And I lived through all of those different things as well. And I realize though that I can't wrap him in bubble wrap. Like he won't be a functioning human being if he doesn't get some of those dings and scratches in life like he he won't learn resilience he won't learn what he's capable of he won't learn his own strengths and so as as heartbreaking as it is i have to say he's going to have to make his own mistakes he's going to have to fall out of that treehouse even though i've told him a hundred times not to go up there or you know whatever it is like he's going to have to experience those things if i want him to be a well adjusted independent empathetic self-sufficient adult. And so we can all look at ourselves as like, that's just the formation journey of us getting through this life. No one gets through in a streamlined fashion without any bumps, without any crashes, without any falls. And so we just need to embrace that. Yes, it's trite, but that is what makes us more capable of dealing with life and, and dealing with our own strengths and weaknesses so that we can be good people that sounded really lofty but i didn't mean for it to sound really lofty (laughs) no it's a great i i would love to get to uh some really quick rapid fire questions but i'm gonna respect your time and let you no 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 no. um because i I, you you gotta get going right i mean uh, i don't want to like i do i gotta walk the dog (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's fine. Exactly. Uh, just let you guys know. See, I had a plan. I went out for the plan. The plan didn't work. And, uh, you know, I just live with it. And I think that's anybody that's out there right now that the has plan a plan. changed. Like, it's not that it didn't yeah, work. It changed. Changes. Exactly. Oh, I love that. See, if you want more of Maria Ross, where can you connect with that? Where can oh, we connect with I would with love if people would connect at my website, red-slice.com, and sign up for my email tribe where I send little insights of inspiration and um, wit and wisdom out sometimes weekly. And um, I am I love Twitter. So <laughs> at Red, Red Slice is my handle. Um, so you can connect with me there. And I have a Facebook page for Red Slice. It's facebook.com slash Red Slice, where I talk about business. I talk about inspiration. I talk about motivation, um, goofy stuff, practical stuff, all kinds of stuff. So I would love if people would connect with me. Oh, yeah, guys, I didn't make this podcast to just have another guest and then you listen to it and passively listen to it and you don't actively listen to it but actually connect with these people like like if anything that she shared like with you today that resonates with you like if you heard a quote that she said or that i said like go on facebook it go and tweet about it go on instagram about it because it's like putting it out there i think is like the one action that people need to take to sort of like go towards what they want to become and um you know, even if it seems so crazy out of this world, like, you know, you can actually have like incredible amounts of impact just by scratching your own itch, like being curious about what it's like to be a, uh, a motivational speaker like yourself or an author, like, and you don't have to have it all happen today. Like you were saying earlier, no. Maria, like small steps, small steps. A good friend told me once you can have it all. You don't have to have it all right now. And that oh, is so, I, that yeah. is so important because unless you want to stress yourself out and grind yourself down to the ground, which is not really fun, um, you know, just some goals you can tackle right now. Some you put in a little parking lot and wait until the time is right. And that's cool too. Let's leave it off there. Cause that was incredible. Um, see, and she, she, she's a great artist steal. You know what I mean? Like it, Maria mm -hmm. just took a little bit of what someone else said and, you know, we're constantly doing that. So like, it's okay mm -hmm. if you don't have any original thoughts right now, right here, but you mm -hmm. can take someone else's original you thought and then use yeah. it as your own and create your own thing. Curate and, and comment and, you know, bring, bring ideas and reshape them, you know, always give credit where credit is due, but you know, Yes. It's not really that. I, there's some famous person that said like nothing is ever really new. I can't remember who said that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of true. Like really, just things are just constantly being reshaped and built upon and morphed and and evolved. And so, yeah, you don't have to just have something that completely no one has ever seen or ever heard of. Just add your yeah. add your personal spin to it. Absolutely. Um, cause I think that is another Drano to depression, anxiety, ADHD, uh, addictions. Like if you get involved in something that you really truly believes, uh, or believe will leave impact, um, then, mm -hmm. then go for it, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. but anyways, Maria, I know we could talk for like 14,000 more hours, but I can't <laughs> We gotta let her go, guys. Um, thank you so much for being on Scratch Your Own Itch, though, today. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for a great conversation. Yeah, thank you.
right, guys, it's another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch with Maria Ross and myself. That stuff was good. Really, really good. Um, I just took a nice big gulp of what to think about and ask you guys. But I really want to ask you guys is this. How fast are you going to stop hating on yourself? How fast are you going to stop? start living the life you want to live. And um, if you found any of this valuable, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in all the time um, because um, uh, it means the real, it means the world to me. I really mean that when I say that. Thank you guys so, so much. And if you found any of this valuable, please just leave a review. I really appreciate it. Um, just helps this podcast uh, be discovered and it also uh, can create new relationships in not only my life, but your life. So if you guys share any valuable insight on what you guys took from this, please just Facebook it, tweet it, Instagram it, or um, if you're not on any social medias, at least reach out to me on, on the reviews, and I'd love to re- read your review on the, on the podcast. So without further ado, you guys, don't ever forget. You matter, and you're enough.